This is the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from JeffAdamsWrites.com, and with me as always is my co-host and husband, Will Knaus. In this very special episode, we're featuring the MM rom-com analysis, Paralysis, and we are very excited to welcome the film's co-writer, director, co-executive producer, and co-star, Jason T. Gaffney, along with his co-star, Mr. Kevin Held. Thanks, guys, so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. We're so happy to be here. You had so many titles. I know. I just had the one. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good with it. I'm fine with it. That sounds exhausting. I just had to show up. <laughs> okay, Mr. Multi-Hyphenate. Jason, we want to start with you. Um, give us an idea of what analysis paralysis is all about. Uh, basically, analysis paralysis is a romantic comedy where uh, a young man, Tyler O'Connor, uh, struggles with severe anxiety to the point where he has to play out every possible scenario before he can make a decision on how to proceed. And he finally reaches rock bottom, and with the help of his therapist, he pursues uh, dating uh, Shane Revere, who's Kevin, uh, and basically hijinks ensue, and we get to watch all the hilarious craziness that happens between the two of them and all the possible ways the dating could go right and go wrong and uh you get a happily ever after mm-hmm. oh spoiler alert it's a rom-com <laughs> yeah if it, it's a rom-com it has to end that way otherwise everybody goes sure. huh yeah sure. <laughs> what was the inspiration for you as as, as the co-writer uh for analysis paralysis well honestly uh i love making movies i love telling stories i love to act and I was talking with my dad, and I was trying to figure out a way to make a film for a very small budget. And uh, we were talking back and forth, and he said, it would be really cool if you could do a scene in the same location and kind of repeat the scene a bunch of times. And we started talking about like how that would come about. And then he mentioned that a family friend of mine some, had, had a condition called analysis paralysis, where he can get paralyzed. Uh, when he's trying to make a business decision. And so I Googled it, I looked it up, I talked to my sister-in-law about it, about what the mental condition really is and how it's really just extreme anxiety. And then I was like, let's do this. This is going to be so much fun. The comedy possibilities are endless. And so it just kind of took off from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's really hilarious. We we talked about the movie back in uh, episode 138, way back in May, because you hooked us up with a screener copy of it. Uh, it is a riot, the number of permutations you go through on some of this stuff. Thank you, yeah. Now, it, 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 it's funny because we had, there's a, a, we, the first rendition of the film was actually an hour and 45 minutes, and we cut it down to an hour 30. So there's about 15 minutes of footage that's just wonderful footage that didn't really further the story and help, uh, help the story progress. And... So there's funny stuff that got cut that I wish we could have kept that just it didn't fit in this particular thing. And so I'm hoping to release that kind of like bonus deleted scenes at some point. And, that's, uh, but that's I'm really what the proud Deluxe of my prestige DVDs for. <laughs> yes, yes, totally. <laughs> now you've got a big thing coming up here on February 1st. 
as you're going to get a, a, a big theatrical screening two week run in Palm Springs. What are the details on that? Um, basically, uh, let me find my little. It's super exciting. We're going to be playing at the Camelot Theater for uh, two weeks. Yep. In uh, Palm Springs, starting February first, and Jason and I are going to be there for screenings and Q and A's and after screening stuff and whatever and parties or whatever. If anyone wants to invite us places, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, for <laughs> February first and second, we're gonna we're gonna be there on both of those days. You know? Yeah. It's it's uh, basically the Palm Springs Cultural Center's uh, cinema diverse kind of best of the fest, and they invite a couple films back uh, to who film were fan favorite uh, like festival favorites. And uh, and so we we're really psyched. Yeah, I've never had a uh, film in a real theatrical run before. So that's I mean, I've been in film festivals and stuff that's played on actual screens, but not for a run. So that's a first for me. And I'm super excited about it. Yeah. And, and on uh, on uh, February 1st, uh, if you there's special tickets to meet Kevin and me before the uh, before the screen. Oh, I want one. Yeah. Well, what you want to meet me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, you can find that information. Uh, I guess it's uh, Eventbrite. If you Google um, analysis paralysis open night reception and film screening, um, and you should be able to find that um, uh, on my mom's website, SudanBrockman.com. She has a link to it under news. Yeah, uh, I will have a link to it in our show notes as well to make it super easy for folks. Excellent. So that's on eventbrite.com. Yeah, and okay. I think you can also go to uh, www.camelottheaters.com to get more info about getting tickets for the rest of the run as well. Yes. I was there earlier today, in fact, checking it all out <laughs> just to, to see what was oh, there. Great. <laughs> the link is live. Good. You've done more research than I have on it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it is about analysis paralysis that ignited it to be such a fan favorite to get this run? So when I wrote Analysis Paralysis, one of the things that was very important to me was to write a LGBTQ film feature where the leads happened to be gay, but it wasn't about them being gay. I wanted it to just be gay guys in the real world existing like we do every day of our lives without needing to focus specifically on that point. And mind you, there's a lot of very gay stuff in it. We There's a... a Love scene that's very uh, homosexual. Well, it's, it, not not to get too much away, but there's two men in it. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> two men that kiss every now and then, among <laughs> other things. And um, and and I, I I talked to a couple of the people afterwards, and there were uh, several gentlemen who said roughly the same thing, which was it was really refreshing to see a movie that took place after the coming out, because coming out stories are still really important in this day and age. There's still a lot of places where coming out really matters and there, there's, there needs to be the resources for people to do that. But there's now, we, we've, um, there's been a lot of progress in our society and there's now a need to see the story that happens after, to see, to see gay people of all um, shapes and sizes living their best life after they have come out and become open about who they are. Mm-hmm. What can people do to maybe encourage more of this to happen, like to get it to their theater or something along those lines? Hmm. Um, honest- uh, I think they shouldn't. They should just book us at their theater. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, making him is really hard. We've already got one. Basically, if they uh, if people want to go to their local art houses or local theaters, they can they can put in a request for the movie, uh, and they can reach out to us. Uh, I have I'm very accessible at uh, Jason T. Gaffney at gmail dot com. Um, Sorry, he's very accessible. Yeah. <laughs> or you can. Tweet me at Jason T. <laughs> at Jason T. Gaffney, whatever it is from Twitter. Um, and and basically, um, it, with art houses, there there's a lot of like, from what I've been been led to believe with the art house scene that we've been researching, there's a lot of like what the audience in the area wants, they'll bring in. And I'm what a dream for me for the future would be to make these movies, and then travel with my cast around the country to the art houses and do Q and A's and and meet people around the country and, and screen. Mm-hmm. So, And you've had a couple other go-rounds at festivals, too, because your premiere was actually in Chicago, if I recall correctly. Uh, premiere was actually in Palm Springs, mm-hmm. but we did, the follow-up was uh, Chicago. Ah, okay. And, and there was one in San Antonio. Right. Which was exciting. We didn't get to go to that one. Right. But we did, we did Jet Set to Chicago, and that was, it was wild. It was great. Yeah. Uh, there was six of us on the plane. <laughs> I mean, there were more people on the plane than right. six. We but... didn't charter a plane. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I'm making a movie for $5, but we're going to charter a plane. <laughs> That's why the budget was so small. We spent everything on transportation. That's where all that Kickstarter money went. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no food for anyone. No rest. The camera's just running. No, it, um, it was wild. It was uh, we got to go. Uh, Matt came with us. My parents and uh, Kevin's husband Nick was with us, and it was it was just awesome. It was great, yeah. Another really warm and receptive audience. Um, and it's I got to tell you, when we saw it for the first time in Palm Springs with the audience, the first uh, two minutes I was sweating profusely, and uh, and my hands were really clammy, and I was white knuckling my husband Matt's hand. And um, I talked to my dad afterwards, and I was like, oh, man, it was like 10 minutes before the first laugh. And he was like, calm down. It was five minutes. He had a stopwatch. It, no, well, <laughs> my dad the next morning got up, watched a movie, and because and, he was kind of taking notes throughout the movie to see when the laughs came. And he found out that it was actually two minutes in, and by 10 minutes into the movie, there was a laugh a minute for the rest of the movie in the theater. And once that started, I got... Uh, a little more relaxed, and then I got really anxious again. It's a roller coaster. Yeah, <laughs> it's a roller coaster. It's a laugh a minute. There's your tagline. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> you feel great. You feel anxious. I mean, yeah, you don't want to go too far into the context of it's a roller coaster for the filmmaker, wondering if anyone's gonna like it, and it's a laugh a minute, and we scientifically prove it because we had a stopwatch and a pad of paper. <laughs> That's right. If your dad still has the notes, you have it like to prove. Totally. Yes. It was great. He said, you know, they, it, was, it was amazing. He got very scientific about it. it very did. cool. <laughs> now, of course, there's a way that people can get DVDs even now. In fact, I, I have my Kickstarter DVD right here. Hey. Yes, yes Kickstarter DVD. Hey, that's us. Yes, it is. But, um, yes, if you go to uh, Indiegogo. Uh, we have that link in the can... show notes, too. Yeah, if Thank you, you go to Indiegogo to help support Out of Body, the next film, you can grab a uh, Kickstarter slash Indiegogo copy of Analysis Paralysis uh, before we close up shop for the Out of Body Indiegogo. Mm-hmm. How long is that going to be running for? Uh, probably until we finish up Out of Body. 
and then we'll be closing that down and starting up the next one. And I bet you there'll be analysis paralysis DVDs available for the, the third movie as well. I hope not. Because we're going to sell out. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> well hopefully go. by then distribution. That's right. Cool. Um, getting back to analysis paralysis, um, Jason, your main character uh, essentially suffers from the title affliction. Uh, but Kevin, your character Shane is essentially the object of Jason's affection. Uh, how did you get involved in the project? Um, on this specific project, I came sort of with it. I think that part was um, written for me. It was. Um, I, it's hard for me to say that, but it's true. Uh, but it's because Jason and I have already worked together for years uh, to the time when we came to this film. We met on a student film at a Christian university uh, like 800 years ago. Spoilers, I didn't know it was a Christian university. I didn't know it was a student film. (laughs) 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 Nothing but the the top of the line. Yeah, we were. It was super professional. Um, But the best thing that came out of that uh, that experience was I got to meet Jason. And we just, uh, by by the first day of filming, we were just, you know, uh, fast friends already. And just we were... making each other uh, laugh constantly on set. And, and then our friendship grew out of that. And then we've been able to work, I was able to work on his uh, web series, The Comedy Minute. And so in little ways over the years, we've gotten to work together and become close friends. And and then when this film was, was coming together, uh, he said, I've got this thing that we're doing and I want you to do it, you know? So it's nice to be offer only. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to I add something too, because uh, I can boast about him easier than he can boast about himself. Right. Um, it is really rare when you can find someone who is so incredibly funny and also knows their lines uh, and and shows up and can nail each take and then to the point where you get the written dialogue in the first two takes and then following anything else we do after that is improv and it's just it's one and and Mm -hmm. solid improv each time and so it was really easy to write for kevin because i knew whatever i threw at him he was going to take and make it a thousand times better than I could imagine. And I knew whatever he writes is merely a suggestion. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of kind of the suggestion angle of it, there are so many permutations of things that happen as, as Tyler kind of runs through everything in his head. How much of that was scripted versus kind of improv on the, on the fly? Well, the scenarios that are, that are there are all scripted really like the, uh, the um, idea of how this particular thing is going to go wrong was there already. So I don't want to take too much credit for being an incredible improviser or anything because, the, you know, we have camera setups and you have to have like this is this is what's going to happen now, you know. Uh, but within that structure, uh, we were allowed a lot of freedom. And so that's, you know, that was I, I would I would say it's more written than it is improv, but it was only we could only get to really fun improv stuff because the structure was so well laid when and uh there's a scene in there uh with a lot of love making and it a lot of the lines that kevin says uh i would say about 50 50 are improvised for like the big punch lines because we got the structure to get to those punch lines and then it's and then like, kevin throws in that little gem of a button at the last second 
and generally we had to cut right afterwards because the whole cast and crew would break. <laughs> or for there's a moment, there's a, a slight spoiler for the audience. There's a moment where there may or may not be flatulence, and we had to do that scene. That was probably the only scene where we had to do like ten takes because I couldn't stop laughing from the stuff that he was saying, which is great. So we're gonna have a a, a laugh reel, yeah, a we, blooper reel at some yeah, point. We, we could just do that one. That'd be a good <laughs> yeah yeah. Because fart jokes are just funny. They yeah. just are. What's it like as an acting exercise to have to kind of essentially reshoot the same thing over and over again to let different things happen, but still hit all the same beats? Oh, it's fantastic, actually. As an as an as an actor, it's really really freeing, because especially if you know you've got a scripted safety, you know that you can go back to, uh, and then if you're if you're comfortable with that. Anything outside of that is just gravy, you know, and so it's only fun. And that was it's so it's amazing, you know, and to, and to have that kind of freedom on set is really rare. You know, there's there's some projects where most projects are going to be like, these are the lines you do them. And there might be a little bit of uh, of, of leeway inside it, but nothing like, you know, when we have the kind of uh, comfort with each other that we have and the sense of freedom and the trust, uh, you can go anywhere, you know, so it's super fun. <laughs> Was there anything in particular that was difficult to shoot? He has a better <laughs> he has a better idea of that. Oh, I know, I know exactly so, what he's going to talk about. Uh, there was a particular day that was really rough because. Um, well, let me start with. I want to set up everyone to win. As a producer, as a director, as a writer, I there, I don't win. None of us win if I make it hard for everyone, if the conditions aren't great, if all of that is a struggle. Mm-hmm. And and so I take it way more personally than I should when outside sources and, and influences come and affect my set. And the the day that we filmed outside, outside uh, yep. there happened to be um, an arsonist in the area setting fires to a bunch of things. That's right. Um, and so there were a lot of sirens, more than normal, yeah. which stopped our takes. And, and the way that this film really thrived was by going uh, through through each scene in these setups and just barreling through it. And, and when people, let, when we know our lines really well, we can do that. You can't do it, though, when there's a siren every five seconds or a helicopter or a plane. And so that day was a bit rough for me as far as, like... Uh, feeling frustrated for everyone, even though I think I was the most frustrated out of anyone. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone else was really that bothered because we still won the day and then... Yeah, we still made the day and everything. Uh, but I, that would, I would say that that was my hardest day on set too, just because of the tension I saw that it was creating for him, mm-hmm. and, essentially. And truth be told, I'm really glad that I had that rough day with Kevin because Kevin knows how to diffuse the situation really well. <laughs> so he's able to notice that it's getting rough and he's able to be like, hey, I'm going to say something funny and then maybe you'll laugh a little and it'll be well, great. Also, well, Jason has kind of an outsized idea of how awful he's being <laughs> sometimes because yeah. like at the end of a day, he'll be like, I'm sorry, I was such a horrible person today. And I'm like, um, you gave me eye eye once <laughs> the extent of your like of any behavior toward me, you know? And, and so, yeah, he has a, he has a, an internal sense of, of how he's being, you know, but that doesn't always translate. He, he's always still 
such a kind, generous, sweet person, you know. And so even though he doesn't know that sometimes, it, 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 that, that angst and that anger almost never translate as fully as he thinks it does. <laughs> <laughs> the, only, the only other time on set that I feel was a little challenging for me, um, what, which was kind of interesting, was on day one, um, we had to jump right into the giant scene that uh, Shane and Tyra have towards the end of the movie um, where my character cries a little bit. And I did not know that I could cry on command until that day. And but then but it, I commanded him and he did it. <laughs> it. It started well. We were filming Kevin's side of the scene first, and I started getting teary. And everyone kept being like, "Save those tears! Don't cry! Don't cry!" And I was like, "I can't help it. It's just happening." Like what, it was that day one. It was day one. Lord. And and we managed to get one of my favorite shots in the movie, uh, which is they they they, they frame me so beautifully where you see one tear fall from my eye and it. It, I'm really happy with it because it's cinematically beautiful and you can actually see it. And I'm like, whoa. Um, but it was challenging because I I was worried that I was going to use up all my tears when we were on Kevin because I was really feeling the scene. And I want to give 100% when I'm acting with everyone, uh, no matter what, because they deserve as much of a performance from me as as when it's on my on on my turn and it's you want to support your fellow actors mm -hmm. and so there was a little bit of nerves from me in the sense of like oh i hope i can keep it and uh it worked out it worked out just fine because anytime i'd see he was like losing or something i just remind him of the 2016 election and then <laughs> <laughs> that's enough to get waterworks in many people yeah i know <laughs> we were both weeping at the end. <laughs> Speaking of some of the challenges you faced, um, what is it like doing a low-budget comedy on what I assume is a very short schedule? It is, it is tough if you don't plan ahead. Mm -hmm. And my amazing cinematographer, Nisha, um, basically mapped out the movie with me, alongside me, so that she could understand what shots I was looking for and how I wanted the angles to look and how the story to go. And because we did that, we knew what shots we needed and then we knew what shots we dreamed of. And so if we were ahead of schedule, we could get the dreamed of shots. If we were behind, we knew we would just get the ones we needed and we'd keep moving. And with the exception of like certain scenes that it's really important to tell the story to get this thing. Like there's um, a moment outside at, at the... Um, at the restaurant in the day and there's a shot where Kevin puts his hand on mine and it's very important for the uh, the, the kind of romance building between two main characters and so that was a shot that was a like a necessary shot but sometimes you're like it would be cool to have you know someone itching their arm just because it's interesting for this moment or nervous hands and it's like you know what? we don't have time let's just move forward we can lose that um, but because she helped me map it out and because everyone on set came to play, mm -hmm. we actually ended early every day, which is unheard of. And, and I'm and so proud. And got most of the dream shots, too. And got most of the dream shots. I think, I think even And what on, was the 10 days? It was 10 days. And if I... 10 days of full <laughs> photography. If I hadn't injured my back on day one, which required our oh, yeah. amazing 
uh, all-star makeup artist Sherry to paint my back to look yeah. like skin he every was, day. Uh, hold on, hold on. He wasn't injured, okay? He got scratched. <laughs> no, it was a giant bruise. Wasn't that a bad. giant bruise. But I, it looked like someone beat me, and I'm like, like we can't have Tyler looking like someone just beat him. Like, different movie. Um, and so basically, she had to paint me, like, give me full body makeup uh, every day. Of course, you know, sometimes people write movies themselves where they're not shirtless in every scene, but, you know. <laughs> it was very liberating. And, uh, but yeah, but we, we actually, if, if we hadn't had to do a, a slight retake of one of the things, just because there was a light slash makeup slight snafu, where the lighting hit the makeup in a way that changed the color, it was like one or two shots. We possibly could have finished in nine, which is just, I'm so proud of this oh, casting yeah. crew. Like, they, they are all stars. We are. <laughs> what are your favorite mo moments in the film for, for both of you? So without spoiling too much, I'm just going to say that the words Danny Boy. Um, <laughs> that particular moment uh, where Kevin and Danny Boy collide is a favorite. And then there's another moment towards the end where um, Kevin flips me off a couple times while Irish step dance music happens. Yeah. And those two moments just, uh, they, they're, they're right up there with, with uh, kind of the comedy stuff. I think my, uh, my favorite romantic moment is um, when Kevin puts his hand on mine in the restaurant that first time. It's a very, it's a very tender romantic moment, and I'm, I get gushy when I see romances like that. So, uh, my, my favorite moments are all in, my, my favorite moments really all in uh, the, uh, not, I don't want to say flashbacks, but the imagination parts where uh, things go terribly crazy, you know? And there's just, there's a lot of them for me that I had such a good time filming. And then, and also I, it's that situation where, you know, you l know a joke that's coming, but you like the joke. So when the joke happens, you're even more happy that it just happened, even though you knew exactly what was going to happen. Uh, so I watched the movie, and that happens a lot. You know, I'm like, oh, this is the scene where, oh, it just happened. So I have, I... <laughs> so I have a really good time watching the movie. <laughs> nice, Jason. You're such a multi-hyphenate on this on, on this movie. How did you keep your sanity? like during the shooting days where you had all these hats to wear, prepared director, prepared actor, executive um, producer. I disagree with the premise of your question. <laughs> <laughs> that he kept his sanity. <laughs> well, you have to assume that I'm sane to begin with, because yeah. uh, anyone who's sane probably wouldn't jump into the ring with that many hats on. But honestly, if it wasn't for, I, I know I keep pounding the drum of, of being grateful to the amazing cast and crew, um, but if it wasn't for the cast and crew, specifically uh, my dad and Matt, mm -hmm. who basically wore seven hats just like me, uh, we would not have we would not have been as successful as we had been. I, I had my dad basically acting as my eyes while we were filming, um, so we could keep moving along uh, and basically watching the monitors to see the shots, and making sure that. The acting was on par because I know like I feel good about it and I feel good about and I can tell that Kevin's doing good because I'm really good at acting with people and knowing that they're nailing it. But that means that I'm not necessarily knowing if I'm nailing it. And then I also tend to be a harsher critic of myself. So it's good to have his eyes on there. And then my husband was doing 
uh, was transferring the, the data from the cards to the computer to the mm -hmm. hard drives while cooking the meals for everyone and doing all the paperwork for SAG and handling payroll and handling contracts. And constantly saying, no, Grace, we're yeah. not going into Grace. And, and making sure we're following the rules and not and not going yeah. into overtime and, and, and when, except for when we plan for overtime and really nailing it. And it's I'm calling safety. Yeah. And, safety. and you know, <laughs> he, and truthfully, the two of them are, are all stars as well. Yeah. Now I would be remiss not to point out that there is a cameo in this film, actually a couple cameos for my very own book, Tracker Hacker. Yes. <laughs> Tracker Hacker. Yes. Now, yeah. You took a lot of care with building the background for this movie. I don't think we actually mentioned that Tyler is a young adult novelist yes, in the he film. Is. And you've actually populated a lot of actual books for the set, tracked those down. And beyond that, you even, I remember like seeing your Instagram feed of you made paintings and you made things to go in the background. And. <clears throat> Oh, you have no idea. The, uh, the the house right now, like behind us in the house right now, is completely decorated for Halloween because the next movie takes place in Halloween time. Right. So there's bats and paintings and felt and ghosts made out of felt and a whole like. I mean, I think there's a, a, a dead guy in the front, and you know, he got an actual dead guy. He killed a man so that. He could have him in a coffin, you know, and, and he's rotting now to be prepared for the. He's very prepared. He's very, very prepared. Very nice. yeah. Why well, was it important for you to get all of the books into the background like you did instead of, you know, that could have been one thing that probably nobody would have noticed if they hadn't been there. Yeah. So um, one of my pet peeves with indie filmmaking is that. The world doesn't look real. They, and, and I don't fault the filmmakers for what they have the rights to or what they can get the rights to and all that stuff and what they can do. But I, but I encourage uh, indie filmmakers to really pay attention to those tiny details because the tiny details make the world feel real. Mm -hmm. So having books that exist in the real world and, and look professional um, such as a very good book. You should go out and read it and buy it and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, and um, paintings in the walls, photos in the walls. Um, tiny yeah, details. photos was the, the photos was a big thing too for him. Um, uh, well, also like books, you, you might not you might not like you'd have to be a really dedicated viewer, but right books follow the characters, you know. And and we are on, like we could be at different parts of the book depending on where we are. You know, and there's a different arrangement of books, but there's a new there's a new one. The one I was reading earlier in the movie is now toward the bottom of the pile because I'm now on this other thing. You know, I'm like they were incredibly uh, detailed about that stuff. Plus photos like uh, we did a photo shoot together, mm -hmm. you know, but as the characters became more in in relationship, more photos showed up around the house. Yeah. So that was very cool, you know, or, or like a frame that was already there would get replaced with photos of us instead of the photos that used to be in it yeah. and things like that. So it was like, it was these, a lot of little, um, really detailed ways, especially because we had so few sets, right. you know, and very few, a, a very small cast. So like movies that are like that are very static sometimes, you know, and you don't have a sense of the passage of time. And I think that this film works really, really hard to have that. You know, and it makes a big difference, you know. Yeah, yeah and that's it, it. 
one of the things that I really wanted to do, and Kevin mentioned this just now, is basically Shane moves in with Tyler. And when people move in together, they bring their stuff. And it's not like you, you wouldn't just be like, I'm moving in with you, but I'm going to just keep all your stuff and we'll put all my stuff in storage. Mm-hmm. They swap things out. They figure out which furniture set fits best. And obviously, I, we didn't change a lot of the furniture, but I was able to change the bedside tables. I was able to change a bunch of photos. And one of the things I had tried to do is, is Shane is a ray of light in Tyler's life. And so I used the color yellow with Shane. When he moves in, a lot of yellow starts to pop up on the set and he would do that in book covers yeah Hmm. so there were some book covers that had yellow that i specifically kept near shane or i had him reading and things like that yeah Hmm. it was i'm I'm really grateful for for all the books and all the authors that 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 provided us with books because it really does make the world feel real i mean you know a young adult author would read would be reading other young adult author books and other books in general because you want to see what's out there you're you gotta want to get inspired. Well, writers are readers too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, what's the best way for listeners to keep up with all things happening with analysis paralysis and the future projects? Yes, I'm glad you asked. So, basically, the best place to go is tinyletter.com forward slash my pet hippo to join our newsletter. Uh, and basically, we're going to be sending out newsletter updates about. Uh, where you can find analysis paralysis playing next and when uh, we get distribution, what streaming sites it'll be on, uh, when you know we go live on Amazon in the future or iTunes and all that good stuff. It'll all be there? Yeah. Can you say that again? Tinyletter.com. Yeah. Uh, tinyletter.com forward slash my pet hippo. Cool. And we'll put that in the show notes too, yeah. just to make that easy for everybody. Thanks. Uh, thank you. Kevin and Jason, thank you so much for being here and talking to us about analysis paralysis. We we love the movie. We're excited that more people are going to start to get to see it in the in the coming weeks and months. And uh, we look forward to having you back on the show in just a few weeks to talk more about Out of Body, which we've mentioned a little bit about, plus the, co- the podcast you guys co-host called The Bright Side. Yeah, looking forward to that. Thanks for having us, thank guys. Thank you so much for having us. For detailed show notes and links to everything discussed in this episode, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday at all major podcast distributors. You can also find us on YouTube. I'm Derek McLean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.